And finally, finally, welcome back to a new Thoughts of the Roundtable with me, Matt Rebar. And me, Paul Laux. And it's been a minute. It always has. We always say that. But in this, this it wasn't actually our fault this time. Not totally, <laughs> at least. It was um, a few things. So I can start with one of the multiple things that happened. Uh, my laptop, my old-ish laptop finally went out of the blue the same night we were going to record. So it's I think it actually died like minutes before we were recording, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, it might have been right right then. I that whole night was a blur because I was in panic mode because you don't realize like how essential a laptop can be until you don't have one. And then you're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Um and I don't have a home computer yet. It's kind of like down the line, maybe. Are you gonna get like a desktop, like one of those big, huge setups? I uh, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what the budget says. <laughs> the budget says maybe. <laughs> you get Mac products. You're good to go. You're rich over there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've always used Mac, and it's hard to like not. It's like once you go Mac, you can't go back, baby. When you have a Mac that dies, can you like sell it to refurbish it? Will they take it back yeah, at least? I'm gonna try and give it to them. And be like, hey, the battery's dead. Just it works. Just the battery sucks because i feel like they would take it at least for parts and at least give you well net maybe knock some money off of it yeah it's some use some of these uh elements use that lithium use that i don't know oxygen or whatever i don't know what's in a mac laptop but you know the gist one of the um, funniest things i ever saw was remember those uh those microsoft notes they were like laptops but you could fold them backwards and like put them into a tablet why does Microsoft think that like just because you can fold their stuff in weird ways that means like people want it? Like, well, it is cool, but I saw some guy like demoing that like you can flip it inside out and turn it to a tablet, and some guy just took a Mac like it was a display Mac, it wasn't his, it was one that like Apple was showing, and he just like took it and just snapped it in half backwards, <laughs> and the, the look no. on the guy's face was demoing, it was just like. <laughs> just like, crushes dude, this it's a thousand bucks. Oh man! <laughs> um, but I do love the new laptop. Uh, even though the wallet didn't love it as much, uh, it is fast, and that's what I enjoy. What so. did you end up getting? Um, you know, I actually, for the first time, I usually get the MacBook Pro, but I went with the MacBook Air. So I saved a couple hundred. Oh, the skinny and, one. Yeah, I just I really don't notice a difference. As of Except, yet, isn't so. there like no ports on it? Like literally no ports at all. I mean, there's the two ports and like the the headphone port, but I mean that's what my old one had. See, so. that's the thing I don't like about Mac, man. You got to have adapters and all this <laughs> crap, and then there's no like my laptop is. First of all, I love PC. I'm a, I'm a PC guy, but my laptop even has a freaking CD drive on it. That is the best. Okay, but like, when was the last time you used that? Out, like literally weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> I I used it weeks ago and then before that months before for CD, yeah, no. for CD drives that is a lot I, I get it I get it it would be a luxury to have but for me I, I wouldn't use it so it's not a big deal yeah well we can't all be you know pretentious Mac users <laughs> like you well do you want to hear about the second thing that I think kept me away the last couple of weeks sure so I'm in grad school. I'm doing my uh, MA in digital storytelling communications for those who are like, ooh, fancy. It's fun. It's definitely up my alley. It's definitely what I like doing. So this semester, um, so what's cool about this is classes are eight weeks, which is really cool. That's fast as hell. You really get things kind of like shrunken down and like you're in the moment. So I did my first eight weeks with one class and I had two classes for the second eight weeks, which just wrapped up. And the one class was so dysfunctional. Uh, the communication was a mess. There was no rubrics, no examples of assignments. There was like creative subjectivity. I, I mean, I can go on and on. The peak 
what was crazy, Paul, I'll tell you, this is the peak craziness. I was going to miss a class and I email and I, I email a week before like, hey, I'm going to miss a class. It's got a work thing. Uh, let me know how I, I can make this up. I get no response. So I'm assuming, OK, no response. That's good. Right. Like no response. They've excused it. Turns out they actually took away points for that. And I was pissed. And didn't tell you? There was no response, no follow up. And I was pissed because I dropped from an A to a B plus, And that's a big deal. Like I shouldn't, you know, I'm in grad school. I, attendance like should really only matter if I'm skipping multiple classes. Like I should be able to get or like I should be able to get out of one class. So I emailed them. I tried to fight it with them. They go, oh, go to the register, which made no sense because the register is like, girl, right. we why would can't you go to the registrar? I know. And the registrar's like, we can't help you. Like, what is your teacher doing? So then I was like, I'm going to the dean. And the dean Damn. came through for me. I'm so happy. The dean was like, you yeah, tattled that's... on the guy. Oh, of course I did. And here's the best part, Paul. See, so... I'm too nervous about it. the worst thing I'll do is leave you a bad review. Yeah. Like a well, really uh, bad trust review. me, I left them bad review, too. But um, so here's where we were going into the final. So the, f- the final was based off of our assignments. So I took all my assignments and I looked at their feedback. And one thing that they love, which this is this. I hate this. Let me press. Let me preface this. I hate when artists think that you have to have more things to make something artistic. Like simplicity is not artistic enough. So like so you like the, you like minimalism. I think this piece can speak for itself, whether it's minimalism or maximum artist. You know what I mean? Like I, I like to me, it's free range. They are the, my teachers. Cause there was two professors in this class, which is wild. They both believe that Wait, maximum equal professors. Yeah. Right. Well, How does that work? It was like the one was like older. I think the other one is more there for like tech support. I don't know. Anywho, <laughs> like Best Buy Geek Squad on the line. <laughs> but um, so they love like maximum like colors on colors on like backgrounds. And so I made my final. I took all my presentations for this final lookbook and I just cornied them up. I had these outlandish fonts. I had color schemes that to me clashed. Uh, it looked like for me, it was a B minus for me. It needed more minimalism. It was just too much. Guess mm-hmm. who got an A on it? <laughs> that, that reminds me of. So this this past semester, I'm also doing classes as well. Um, we I was in a type typography design course mm-hmm. and I should have known what this the feedback was going to be like when we had to take a word and um, design it so it looks like the word it represents. For example, I took a the word fold, okay, and I made it go around a curve so it looked like the word itself was folded. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I was like, cool, I think this is pretty ingenious. I So I turned it in. He responded, he goes, this looks more bent than folded. And he like... Gave me like a B on it. I'm like, what? So, anyways, fast forward to later in the semester, and he wants us to make a um, 14 page brochure. And, but it was over like a month. So, honestly, it wasn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. I was like, cool, we got a couple weeks to do this. No problem. Do a couple things. And we had to turn in a couple pages per week. And he's like, I'm going to be reviewing your pages every week, you know, for revisions and stuff. Um, he never did that. He never revised anything <laughs> until the very end. So like we got, we had to work off no revisions. Like basically our edit copy was our final copy. But anyways, so 
one of my favorite things about it was his um, requirements for it. And mind you, this is a guy who was actually in the design field. He works for a well-known brand doing design. And he goes, in your brochure, first of all, I told him my friends who's a graphic designer was like, I'm making a brochure, to which her response was, who the fuck makes brochures anymore? So, but, <laughs> but so, and she's an actual designer. So that was, that I appreciated that. But then I told her, I was like, one of the requirements is that we had to have 10 different fonts in one, in one single brochure. And Ugh. it's like, even I was like, is this guy psychotic? Like what kind of awful design is that? And so, I, I've learned that going through these. I, it's so funny because when I went to college, I um, I went for communications, TV, and radio, and I for my minor, I got a minor in art. That was my. Um, you, you had to have a minor to graduate. You had you had your major minor. Mine was art. Thinking, okay, you know, whatever, just mm -hmm. an art minor. Ironically enough, I use that more than anything else in my like current <laughs> careers. So. Um, but anyways, what I've learned over the years is that even I don't know how art school works sometimes because it's just so subjective. Well, and that's the thing. And it's like, man, and I know I'm not as good as him. Like, I'm really not. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like if you're telling me something that even I know is wrong, like, I feel like that's yeah. kind of a problem. I've done this, and this is where the, the thing of the design class, because I ended up with an A, and I was kind of shocked because I really thought I was going to be in that B minus or B plus territory, excuse me. But, you know, at the end of the day, like he even, it was funny, he even critiqued our design of our fonts too, which is kind of funny. And like, I'm like, dude, you're judging my font, which kind of was like a light impact type font, when in his, in my professor's PowerPoints, yeah, and I sans serif, sans serif. Yeah, judging my sans whatever, sans serif, whatever, <laughs> I can't even say it now. I'm so pissed. And I'm, Paul, his PowerPoints had papyrus font, which <laughs> anyone who knows font, anyone who's like flipped through Word, gone on Google Docs, papyrus is Wasn't the that worst on like font. Word art at one point? What? I feel like there's like a Word art font at one point. I don't even know if it's a Word art. All I know is that it's garbage. It is a font that people think looks sophisticated and worldly and ancient, and it just looks like trash. It, I'm like, how can you roll up with your black background, red, yellow, and green font on the black background? It looks like what? a stoplight descending into an oblivion with papyrus. I mean, literally, like, he didn't use Comic Sans, but he used something that, like, was one step away from Comic Sans. I'm telling you, I I'm like... And you judge me for my fonts? Oh my God, Paul! I was seen red. I was like a bull in Spain. I was just. I love how this. It. I love how this episode has turned into nothing but us just being art critics. Like that is <laughs> now what is going on. You know what's funny? But, One of our most listened to episodes is called Art Snobs Alert. <laughs> so history well, repeats. We, you know what we should do? When you're naming this episode, it should be Art Snobs Alert Part Two. <laughs> but the uh, font um, font oh man! But no, it it just it just amazing. And maybe it was just this one person. I don't know. But it was just the most like if you're teaching me, and even I know that what you're what you're doing is wrong, then that that should be a problem. But I've like just, and I've also realized this is that after working with you know a bunch of different people in the the art school, it's 
they can have the like they're really good artists like one specifically this guy was a great he made do you know what vector images are um yeah that's like, like the black and white li- linear well right? it can be it's very linear so it can be blown up to like um you know whatever size and it's usually used for like logos so that way they can yeah. put it like on the side of a bus and one blur anyways his thing was he made really good vector images like really really good ones of like and he would do photoshop collages like really really cool intricate stuff and when i talked to him he would be like today we're working in photoshop making a collage like the most boring man i've ever met in my life i was like how can you make these like beautiful intricate pieces and then in real life you are like talking to sand like it is the most grating personality i've ever seen it was ridiculous it was weird i was just talking about this though like there are some teachers out there who are great designers who are great artists who are great historians or business people i mean whatever Mm -hmm. discipline but are not great teachers just because you are like cutting edge in your field, just because you've won awards, just because you make 300 grand a year doing whatever you do does not necessarily mean that you can teach people that you can make people learn and make people excited and make people think outside of the classroom and you know, the application of this material. Like, and I think some people just need to like be told, like don't teach, just do, do your field, don't teach. Okay, so one of the things that uh, has kept me busy lately and one of the things that I've been working on and the reason why I have been able to record as well is I finished book number two. Oh, sweet. Already. What's, it's the, just the, what's the quick little synopsis? What's the little thesis? You know that weird moment in time, and you probably um, – it, it, I remember vividly how I felt – during this time in my life, mm-hmm. the moment between that summer between high school and college. Do you remember that? How weird it felt mm-hmm. like everything was kind of like moving from one thing to the next. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like exploring that feeling of like mm-hmm. the weird, like patch in life where there's like nothing and everything like hiatus, hiatus. Mm-hmm. Of some sort. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, question for everyone. Is it as sad as the first book? <laughs> he, you know what? Here's what I can say about that. First of all, no, it is not. It's actually oh, quite – it's a very, very good book. Good, at least my – and a good end. It's happening. <laughs> Paul's like, I mean, I, don't, I do do say so myself. It's I, a very I, good you know, book. <laughs> I mean, indeed, you know. But um, you have to give me a break, though, because I wrote that first one when I was laid off. I was in a very bad, sour place. Yeah. So there is that. But um, no, this this next one is – and I've gotten that, too, because people are like, man, that one – that was sad. I'm like – I didn't really think it was. Truthfully, I still don't think it is. I think I, if, I think uh, if you think it's a sad book, I don't think you're reading it the way I meant it to be read. But that's on me. I think this is kind of the difficulty of like you as the author and the audience. Do I think that the overall theme is sad? No. Do I think that that first two thirds of it is? Yes. And I think sometimes like people don't have the critical insight to like, what's the takeaway? You know, what's the end goal of the book? And the end goal of the book is like, you got to stay true to yourself, right? I mean, I'm not trying to paraphrase your work. Um, and that well, I think I... is a hopeful, that's a hopeful theme, right? But like to get there, we had to trudge through sadness. And, <laughs> and I think it's fair to say you know, in your mind, I don't think of it as sad, but then in like an, an audience member saying, well, I think 
it is. And there's like there is validity to both opinions because like you as the artist can be like, this is what I see. But then me as the viewer, the reader, the watcher, whatever, you know, I have validity. If I can back up, this is how it makes me feel. You know, that also can be valid, even if that's not what the artist intended. Um, and Which I think the fun I, thing about stuff like that, I love yeah. that that can happen. Oh, yeah. And like I said, I, I think to me, like, I think there's a place for sadness. I, if your book really was like to me, like what it wasn't like Anne Rand where it was just like bleak, <laughs> dark and like everything sucked. Like it's there was moments where it sucked, but then like the whole thing is like it's better. Right. So it's like. I don't know. Either people stopped reading or, and they didn't get to that. Which is very part, possible. Or they were just so consumed with like the misery in the first sections that like the ending didn't bring enough joy to them. Like it, it was like, oh, well, that's a good ending. But like, look at all the misery he went through, which is valid. So I don't know. I'm glad, though, that your next piece is happier um, because it'll be good to see if you have the range. <laughs> I think that is a good point. Because some people, I think, tend to write sadder and some people tend to write happier. And I think it's interesting to see if, you know, who can do both. Because I feel like I can do both, you know. I write a scripted comedy sitcom podcast. But then some of the, the books that I've written and some of the other pieces that I've written are dark and muddy. And my lyrics, too, like my pop music can be very, like, shallow and pedantic. But then also can be, like, really deep and really, like, emotional. So... I think I mean, I'm intrigued to see. And the way you described it makes me intrigued, too. You know, what's ironic, really mm -hmm. ironic. I hate reading fiction. I do not like it. <laughs> I, isn't that the weirdest thing? I will um, say, though, you know, if you want to become a better writer, you should read more fiction. I should you're writing. Fiction. I, I love reading memoirs, though. That is my thing. I love. Well, memoirs. maybe you should try writing a memoir next. You know, I've thought about it, but at the same time, like, who the hell would want to read my memoir? Like, who am I? Well, I'm not saying your memoir. It could be someone else's. That's true. That is true. I mean, we've talked about, like, I hopefully I can say this on the podcast, how you'd love to do, like, a documentary-type piece on a fascinating mm -hmm. individual. Um, and That'd so maybe... I'd love to do that. I would love to do a true crime documentary. I, and I have, like, two or three Cleveland true crime cases that, like... I think would be really great to cover, but like that's just such a jump from where I am. Like I just got started into like making more like audio documentary pieces. Like, so I, that might be a few years off, but that's my goal. Your bathroom zone was iconic. <laughs> I loved that investigative report. That really, <laughs> you know, when you first mentioned me the idea, I was like, I want to do a documentary on bathrooms. Like, what are you talking about, man? Yeah. And then it came out. I was like, I, you had me, you had me good. I was, I listened to the whole thing twice. I was like, <laughs> Damn. Damn. you are two of the 20 people thank you so much yeah that was a fun piece to do and, I and then i had the like rambling document uh, interview with dylan like that, an I, hour 40 I minutes loved that interview i really did i it was i was kind of worried because i saw the the length i joe rogan did you know three hours yeah. but <laughs> well my biggest people i mean not that people are like running to ask me advice but like when like people like local people are just you know people who have like smaller podcasts, like what's the biggest tip that like you can give me or like, what's your number one thing? And I say length, mm -hmm. you know, like oh, I yeah. look at length and that is a huge determinant of like how long I'm going to spend listening. It depends on what, on what it is. Truthfully in my, I, I love long, long form interviews. I really do. Especially if I like who they're talking to. 
Hmm. Like if I see if I'm really plus, I mean, it's got to be good who they're interviewing and the interviewee. But if I see something I'm legitimately interested in and it's like two hours, I'm like, cool, this is great. I don't know why. I <laughs> yeah. really just do. But um, but like you wouldn't if you saw like a cooking podcast that was a three hour episode. No, 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 that, oh, that's no. I think it. Depends but if it was like, it oh, is. it's a it's a it's a teriyaki recipe special for 15 minutes you're like okay maybe i'll try that like you're right. more likely to try something new or it unknown. depends it depends on the subject it really does but um speaking of of documentaries that seen them one of the reasons why i wanted to do something like that is because i was just i don't know even know how i got i was just uh ro- roaming around youtube and i came across this guy named larry lawton have you ever heard of him no he was a huge. He was a mobster. He was in back. He was in the New York mafias and all that. And he was yeah. a jewel, jewel thief. Ooh. And he got like a. He got twelve years in federal prison, or whatever. And now what he does is he's like a motivational speaker, and he wrote a book, and he like tries. To, he like has programs to keep kids out of jail and stuff. But the the other thing that he does is he's like a big advocate for like prison reform and trying to go to like the government and all this stuff. Which just this first of all, the guy is psychotic. Like he is legitimately psychotic, and he would go over like you know, stories of like prison in his life. And one of the things that always stuck out to me was the, one of the first videos I ever saw this guy. And he, he's like, yeah, I had this cellmate. He killed, uh, he could use and He got a life because he killed 30 people. He was a real good dude though. I liked him. Like in the next breath, he's like, he killed 30 people. He's like, yeah, he's a good dude though. I liked him. Like, how? <laughs> like if that is the most like, and he itself admits like he will look past anything in somebody. Like, if you can look past somebody who killed 30 people and be like, yeah, you're a good guy. Like that is impressive. <laughs> That reminds me so much. There was a documentary where someone was like describing someone. They were like, they were loving, kind, attentive, deceitful, dishonest, violent. And I'm like, how does all of that? You can't like that's contradictory. Like, that's clearly not the person. You can't be like they were loving and violent. Like, I don't know that. That's what this guy was, too, because at one point also he goes, yeah, one time I beat a guy's face in with an iron, but I felt kind of bad about that. But it is what it is. Like, he was just so nice. Yeah, it is what it is. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thank God. See, those are the kind of people I would love. To, those are the kind of people I don't mind three hour interviews with because it's just yeah. the most like to, and to them. That's nothing like even what you just said. It's like nothing. No big deal. Yeah. Coming next uh, next year, Paul interviews local prisoners about their hot takes. <laughs> I, you know how. Oh my god! If I I would do that, I seriously I would go in and like local person and just I'll never forget this one, and it reminds me. It's funny you say that when I was on the radio in Akron, uh, my college station, uh, there was a uh, local like minimum security prison, and they would mm-hmm. since it's minimum security, they had access to the phones, and they would call us late at night sometimes when they're bored, and there's one guy named Roach who would call me. His name was Roach. <laughs> And he would tell me about all this crazy stuff that like just his psychotic, crazy life. And one day I I never asked him why he was in person. Like I just didn't. But one day I just did. And he goes, oh, well, this I was at a bar and uh, this guy was hitting on my girl. So I took out my pocket knife and stabbed his hand to the bar. I'm like, oh, my God. Wow. But- See, that's the thing. Like, I'm a super flirt, so I can't be upset if my if I'm with someone who's also flirting. Like, I'm just a flirt. Like. Just got to roll with it, man. Oh, man. What a time. Well, I'm glad we're finally able to catch up. I know it's been crazy, and we're not the most consistent podcast out there. So to those who are still with us, uh, who did not unsubscribe or 
Thank you. No, always. you don't got it. It's a little treasure, a little treat every time we we upload. <laughs> we you should be so lucky. You're so privileged to hear us talk together. <laughs> See, and our, our problem is we have too many plates spinning. We got you do this and that, and right and this and that. But um, well, you know so what? Next time, there. let me tease next time because I got a story, uh, and it is a doozy about me and my dad having drinks at the bar and. Something happened that's really funny, so I'll Ooh. I'll tell you next time. Just remind also, me. Also, that picture of your mom—that is the best thing I've ever seen. The oh my god! Real quick, we got—I gotta share this. This is so funny. So the NFL draft was in Cleveland. My mom and I went down to go see it. And my mom normally doesn't do photos. My mom's not like a big photo person. I'm like kind of a photo person depending on the mood. My sister is like twenty-four-seven photo person. So we're down there. We're doing some photos. And uh, we were like, oh, let's get a photo of this this little Browns sign. And the one lady goes, oh, can I get a picture of the two of you? My mom's like, you know what? Screw it. Like, yeah, let me get a picture with Matt. So she takes three pictures. We're like, thank you so much. Walking away. We're like 10 minutes later. I finally look at them. My mom is not in any of the pictures. Like she's cut <laughs> off and every, like you just see her hand or her leg. And I'm like, dude, this lady had my iPhone where the iPhone becomes the picture. Like there's really, it's, it's not like, it's so easy to be like, are they in the picture? Yes. Click. I don't understand. It was so funny. And I'm still laughing. I'm not like pissed about it. I really am not. But like, how, that like, is the how, did she and not did, see? And they offered to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, like, give me the phone. I'll take a picture. And she took three. And like, in my head, I'm like, <laughs> she took three. So one of them has to work, right? No, nope, they're all there. My mom's cut off on all of them. And we're like, of course, the one time my mom wants to get a picture, you know, we can't make it happen. You know how long I stared at that picture? Because like, here's a great picture of me and my mom. It took me so long to figure like what was going on because I never I didn't see your mom's arm in it until like Tim was there. It was like, what is going on? There's, you literally there's nobody see her hand. It's like a floating hand. It's insane. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, mom. Or not thanks, mom, but thanks, lady who took a picture of me and my mom. So, anywho. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we have a lot coming up, which is good, too. I know. Um, we'll definitely have to report soon because I feel like we're just barely catching up. we got so much to talk about. Right. Oh. And I got a couple ideas for audio documentary, so maybe I'll tease that later. Ooh, Art Snobs Part 3. <laughs> no, this part. Oh, this is Part 2. This is Part 2. That'll be Part 3. Part 3. We're the worst. I love it. All <laughs> right. Well, thanks for listening to another edition of Thoughts of the Roundtable. Peace out. Later.